Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the official Warlord Games podcast. My name is Brad, and this is the podcast that digs into all of the exciting games that Warlord Games brings to us, the gamers, to play. Now, not too long ago, if you look back through the numbers of Warlord, the Warlord podcast numbers, we had these gentlemen on to talk about one of my favorite comics turned into a tabletop game of all time, of course, that is Judge Dredd. And before that, we had them on the show to talk about Strontium Dog. Now, if we're talking 2000 AD comics turned into fantastic games that you can play on the tabletop, we have to be talking to two greats of the tabletop gaming pantheon, novelist, game designer, all around great guy from all sorts of projects over the years. Of course, I'm talking about Gab Thorpe. Welcome to the Warlord cast. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Always good to have you, my good man. And of course, the other man, the Dark Lord of all things wargaming. We love him from World War II games, bolt action supplements, and all things. Mate, I, I miss the beard from the 90s. Andy Chambers, welcome to the Warlord cast. Hi there, Brad. I, I miss my hair more. Truth be told. Well, so do I, and I'm very bald. Uh, <laughs> Blood Red Skies has been going gangbusters recently since the Midway box. Um, you have to be really excited about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy with the way things have been going. Uh, since we managed to do a new starter set for the Battle of Midway That's this right. year, finally replacing our Battle of Britain uh, starter set that we had before. Uh, and it's sort of marked a big expansion into doing more Pacific War aircraft in general uh which has been great to see some very nice planes and we've moved across into doing resin for the aircraft now That's which right. is a big step forward for blood red skies in general yeah and the models look outstanding uh, a good friend of mine casey has been painting quite a few of those models recently and they look great <laughs> one of the reasons i was drawn to world war ii aircraft in the first place is they look really cool they're just intrinsically have a great look about them so uh, and great paint schemes as well so great to collect absolutely well as much as i want to talk world war ii because i'm a huge fan we are here to talk 2000 a.d the third game in the pantheon of 2000 a.d games from warlord of course we are talking slain now slain unlike the other games which sort of revolve around almost gunfighter-esque uh, mechanics because you have the, in Strontium Dog, of course, you have the bounty hunters, and then 2000 AD, you have the gangs, you have the judges, uh, Mega City Gone Wild. Slain, of course, was created by Pat Mills and Angie Kincaid in 1983, and it's a story of Slain, uh, an outcast turned king of his tribe with his buddy Uko the Dwarf and his stone axe Brainbiter. Uh, now, the epic tales of his exploits through the comics are, are quite diverse. There's a lot there. This is a huge undertaking of taking the, the shooting game of Strontium Dog and Judge Dredd and then translating that to a fantasy magic setting in Slain, and yet you guys really have delivered a game that uses similar mechanics, but is very different than its predecessors. Andy, can you talk a little bit about that process? Because from what I understand, you actually made it even more different, but then dialed it back so that it actually 
kept in the same game system. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, uh, obviously, one of the early challenges was that um, although we designed the 2008 system um, to be a system that would work for several different games, and we did Strontium Dot first, and then we did Judge Dredd, it was designed primarily uh, as like a, a gunfight skirmish system, let's be honest here, because that was the kind of uh, combat that was being depicted in the comics most often. I mean, Spaghetti Westerns is the, the main inspiration for Strontium Dog. You know, uh, obviously Judge Dredd gets more into you know dystopian cops and robbers sort mm -hmm. of thing, but they're, they're all very gun-based. Slain represents probably the only consistent fantasy strip that appears in or has appeared in 2000 AD over over the decades, and as you say, it's one of, it's among their pantheon of big characters. You know, you'll see Judge Dredd and Johnny Alpha and Slain uh, up there together. So it was quite a departure to do something that revolves around hitting each other with stone literal stone axes mm -hmm. over um, shooting with blasters and lawgivers and all that sort of thing. So initially, um, we were like, all right, we'll make some changes and, and make it more into a fantasy system. But as I went along and I saw more and more feedback about um, Strontium Dog and Judge Dredd, one of the things people really valued was the fact that they just knew one system if they knew the other, that they were very direct translations of each other. I mean, you know, details changed in terms of the weapons and things like that, but the core rules stay the same. And we realized that what we should do with Slain is try and keep the two of them as close to each other as we could while keeping those big sort of like fantasy differences in there. So what we managed to scrape by on, uh, no, that's not fair. What we came to <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> at the bottom of the barrel, we found this. No. At the bottom of the barrel, we found this. No, after working with it for a while, what we realized is there were, there were two main areas that we needed to change, which is the way close combat worked, because obviously there was going to be a lot of it. Mm -hmm. primarily that and not much range combat at all so we kind of needed to shift the emphasis from one to the other uh, and the other one was how to do magic because well it's not a common th common that big magical things happen in all of the strips they do tend to be there at the the, the big sort of like finale moments uh, and at the conclusion of things and the story of Slain is very much the story of the him serving as the champion of the Earth Goddess and trying to defeat the evil Druun Lords who kind of perverted the Earth magics and so on. And that's the main theme in it. So we wanted that quite front and center in the why do we fight sort of level of things. So there were kind of two things that we had to work through. I, I mainly handled the close combat side of things. Gav mainly handled the magic side of things and the getting the the slaininess, the earth magic into the game. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, the the main thing the, that we introduced that would be, be different to uh, veterans of Dread and Strongly Dog is uh, a concept called blood points. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, blood points are essentially just a, a mechanic for... Um, uh, f for working out, you know, who whose god is favouring them, uh, and you gain blood points by doing various things on the tabletop. You can get them for uh, particularly impressive uh, attacks and kills. You get them uh, so uh, just as in the other games, you draw chips for activation. You've got plane chips and you've got star chips. So if you draw a star chip, as well as uh, being uh, a 
a special activation that you can try again, you also gain a blood point. So there's a steady trickle of blood points um, into what's called your sacrifice pool, which I, that was a great name that Andy came up with, I stole straight away. Um, uh, and, and you can spend them, basically. They're a currency that do various things. There's certain scenarios where you can, uh, you, uh, you can dedicate them to like a shrine or you may be other ways that you use the blood points depending on the scenario. But generally, what you use blood points for is to power your boons. So boons are sort of, uh, they're, they're, they're cards which are sort of the equivalent of your chicanery or your big meg cards in that they represent those bits of the story, the magical bits of the story, the, the eye of the gods or the, uh, the, you know, the cosmic worm, all this kind of stuff um, as they appear in the strips and getting to put that into your game. Um, you gain boons at the start of the game, depending on who's in your force. So if you've got the more mystical members like Slough Feg or Nest um, uh, and sort of like all the, uh, and they're divided between the earth magic uh, and the the sour magic uh, earth magic of the earth tribes and the sour magic of the drones uh, and they give you just various abilities that you can draw and you spend blood points to activate them uh, some of them you can keep going and and again they do they give you various abilities like you know they might boost your fight skill or give you certain rerolls some of them a bit weirder uh, and may allow you to like resurrect troops that kind of stuff and then mm. there's a couple of other ways you can spend blood points for example um if you're uh, taking a cool test most frequently to try and you know put your starship back in the pot uh, you can use a blood point to re-roll that um, you can also uh, sacrifice models to uh, to heal if you're a drone you can sacrifice models to basically heal your better your your character models generally um, there's also an, another entire feature which kind of pulls into the what are called the feats, which is a bit more mm. of the combat system. So I'll let Andy talk about that because he can remember them a bit better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, as Gav says, I mean, with the boons, basically, we, we took the chicanery cards in effect and turned them into largely magic spells. So uh, there's various things. There, there's some attacks, there's some summons, there's some healing, there's some terrain changes that you can do in there. Instead of the armory, obviously we're not going to have an armory. You don't have number four cartridges or lawgivers to worry about in this. Uh, what we did instead for that was feats. Uh, and feats are heroic feats done by your champions. I should say anybody who's like uh, cool five or above, sorry, cool four or five, I should say, is a champion under these rules because you're a champion of the goddess or you're a champion of the druids. Anyway, so champions get feats. Um... And they key into the close combat. In the close combat, the, the biggest change in close combat is that it's an opposed dice roll now, uh, where both sides roll their dice and they count up hits and they count up shields and take them off each other, as it were, and to see who manages to land a hit on who and how powerful it is. Feats give you bonuses to that result. Um, also, if you roll the right numbers um, during the when you're using the feat, it turns it into a heroic feat, which does even more. So you might have something like Salmon Leap, which is a, a classic Celtic maneuver where you leap up on top of the enemy's shield and stab them while you're up there. Um, so as a base, it'll just add on to your fight a little bit. But if you pull it off, then it has an, a bonus effect on top of that by rolling the right numbers, like special, special hit or something like that, depending on what, what particular feat is. So the heroic feats, they vary. There's like a, a, jet, a deck, bleh, a deck of general feats, 
uh, which all of the champions draw from, which includes things like Headbutt and Salmon Leap. And then there are unique feats which belong to certain characters. So Slain, for example, has his Warp Spasm feat, uh, which is something he does in the comics as his Deus Ex Machina move of like, mm -hmm. now I must destroy all of my enemies. Ah, Warp Spasm, where he turns into Hulk, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas Slaufeg, for example, the great Dune Lord, the, the rotting old horned king, uh, he has Deathless. So, you know, you can stick swords through him, you can chop bits of him off and so forth, and he'll keep going because he has the right feet for it. Yeah, yeah. One of the other elements uh, of the, the cosmic battle um, is because it's, uh, you know, when you read through the stories of the comics, uh, it is all about the, the controlling the earth power. Like, it's all kind of like ley lines and that kind of... Uh, uh, energy so the drones build these big monoliths and suck off the earth energy into turn it into sour magic and the lands waste and turn into these horrible marshes and uh you know and withered wastelands and stuff uh, as they drain away the earth magic so uh, the other the other side of the cosmic battle i wanted to get into the games was that that uh effect on on the landscape so we also have uh, terrain features, the terrain rules, as well as you know, like being like difficult terrain or obstacles to cross and give you cover and various other things, um, can also have an alignment basically between uh, being a source of earth magic or being uh, a, a source of the sour magic. And they can, and you can swap them. You know, the, a, a drone priest can go into a terrain piece and essentially can despoil it and turn it into a drone train piece, uh, or you, or you can get a blessing of Danu to turn something um, it, from from sour magic into earth magic and, and that kind of stuff. So, so the idea is you've got the physical battle, which is you know people trying to chop each other's heads off with axes and things like that. But then you've also got the cosmic battle, which is like the boons, the feats, um, but also you know uh, even if you're even if the scenarios don't necessarily require you to occupy certain terrain pieces and stuff, there's advantages to doing it you know with blood points or with being able to to um, like I say to heal your champions or um, <coughs> or to get various other bonuses. So regardless of um, what you're trying to do in the scenario again it's worth moving around and trying to occupy some of these places which are, adds a level to the tactics of the game as well as obviously bringing the narrative of the strip into it exactly and one of the things that is just part and parcel you guys have mentioned it a couple of times and perhaps for those of us who have not played strong team dog or 2000 ad um, one of the great things about these games is you don't need a huge number of models to play them, but they they bring the comics to life. And in doing so, sometimes because you have fewer models, um, it's it's tempting by game designers to maybe go rules deep because you have fewer models. These games play really quickly. They're streamlined, but they have the depth, they have the tactics. But a lot of that... Uh, in making heroes feel heroic and making everything cinematic and really come to life, you guys have activation chips. Now, they're unlike games like Bolt Action where you have one order dice per unit on the board. In these games, you have action chips or star chips. And the star chips are the ones that maybe your judges might have, or in this case, slain, one of your heroes who have a high cool value. And what makes them different is that when you've pulled their chit to activate them, you can actually 
if you roll well, you can actually put it back in the bag and they can activate again. And that really does give heroes that heroic notion of being able to do more than the average man on the board, so to speak. Andy, do you feel like that dynamic um, set of mechanisms plays any differently in Slain, or is that sort of the is that just another feature of the 2008? No, it's, it's a core feature of the 2008 games. Is that that's how we do those comic book heroics and you know have larger than life characters. Um, so we carry that across. It's been very successful in the other games. One thing that you do get in Slain um, more of than you get in the other uh, games, although there's rules in there for them, is group models, which is basically people who are so poor that even one of them doesn't get a whole chip to themselves. Oh. They basically have to share a chip with several other people, and they form a little group, like a little gangette, uh, usually of three models uh, is, the, is the default. Now, in Judge Dredd or Trunted Dog, th these will be the absolute bottom of the barrel, like rat packs mm -hmm. or, you know, wasters or what have you. Not so much in Slain, because we do have things like the, uh, the Skull Swords, who serve the Droon Lords, who were basic grunts, basically. And you've also got the Earth Tribesmen on the opposing side, who are, you know, they're, they're mighty feud warriors and so forth, but they are just warriors of the tribe. They're, they're nobody special. They tend to operate in groups uh, in Slain. So you, you see them a little bit more commonly. And what that means is that while there's three of them or what have you, or more, and some of them work in the larger groups, um, they're, they're reasonably dangerous, especially to other groups. Was this start getting whittled down uh, by a hero or something like that, they quickly use fighting power. But um, part of the boon system as well is that ability to summon more reinforcements or resurrect the ones you've already got, so they kind of recycle as well to give extra numbers. And uh, we had a classic example of how dangerous a group can be recently in uh, War Games Illustrated's little battle report that me and Gav did where I was heroically stomping around with Slain and he ran into the middle of four Walking Dead, basically. Uh, with the full expectation that he would slaughter them, did not, and in fact got pulled down by them, uh, thanks to Gav also having some um, sour magic boons in place that made him fight harder with all the yes. solo models at the time. So that killer combo actually brought down Slain, much to my horror. But there you go. It's a good illustration that it can happen. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things you talk about. You know, from the outset, from Strontium Dog, um onwards you know we've wanted we know that in the comic books these characters are very powerful you know and, and judges again are very powerful um but you and and the game's going to be about them but there's a nice balancing mechanic there that you know as they get wounded uh, you know because your stats come down is one of the things worth pointing out as you take damage your call goes down and your fighting ability goes down so you can be quite cocky at the start and you be getting two or three activations depending on the chips you get and do quite a lot but as soon as you start getting hit uh, that makes quite a bit of a difference. So, you know, just one or two hits on Slain, and then suddenly he's not quite so... He's uh, quite uh, looking all of Yeah, sudden, then he starts thinking it? maybe there is, it, it's too many. Um, so, uh, which is a nice balance. And the same with the, you know, like I say, we, we've got quite a few more reinforcements, just because, again, in the comics, it's, you know, he killed six to the left, he killed six to the right, he didn't think it too many. Uh, and But we didn't want to have people to have... You know, we didn't want to change that format of people having to have 20 models on the exactly. table because that's not how these games work. So it's like, well, we get to recycle them. They, they start pretty close. They usually come back, you know, no no 
closer than nine inches so actually they can feed back into the fight again they're not worrying about having to cross the table and stuff like that so it's, it's full-on action uh mm. and, and keeps it you know but keeps the the more powerful characters honest really yeah so. you're gonna stay on your toes and you can't get too cocky uh, and that was my fatal mistake got too cocky uh, and through through Slade in against something that he probably shouldn't have gone in against, and you know, so the, the, it's good. The, there is a balance there, um, and as Gab points out, you know, he didn't think it too many is is one of Slade's catchphrases. So yes. we had to have that ability for him to like cut a bloody swath through uh, the skull swords at any opportunity. Really. Uh, and it's for and and again, people to use their collections of miniatures. Again, that that's very much the idea that's been driving mm. this as well. Is what you know, you want to have some skull swords with some and with some swords and with some crossbows and and use those miniatures and not just think, well, they get killed in the first turn. So, well, if you get to bring them back and they, they yes, of course, they are just faceless peons who to be slaughtered. But actually, tactically, that's quite good. But also, yeah, you feel like you it's worth collecting a bit more of a uh, of an Earth tribe or a Drune force and things. So, so you've got the variety to pick from, but also, uh, you know, it's it's not just wasted models. If you see, I mean, the, the models still feel as useful as having the cool, the cool, you know, the different kings of the uh, and the the Drune lords and all the rest of it. They're not just there to make up the numbers. They're actually some really nice models as well uh, exactly. that they've done. Now, one of the great things about the 2000 AD games is that you guys have really gone in. And you've clearly done the research, the hard yards of reading lots of quality comic books over the years. Oh, it's been really tough. I yeah. was going to say, <laughs> twisting arms there. But really, to take that joke and throw it aside, you guys really have successfully brought these comics to life. With Slain, clearly, it's if I'm getting my analogies right, it's almost like a, a Conan meets Celtic magic uh, adventure comic on the tabletop. And the and the art is absolutely astonishing. Uh, just to look back through the slain books, um, to capture that feel in the rule book, because I know that the Strontium Dog book and the Judge Dread game are just gorgeous books. I can only imagine what the slain book looks like, having not seen it myself. Uh, Andy, what do you think? Is it is it even better? Um. I think I think that um, Paul Sawyer over at Warlord is getting better at doing these rule books as he goes along. I mean, they've all been really great. I mean, I was knocked out by the Strontium Dog rule book exactly. when I first saw it, and likewise the Just Tread. The, the fact that you're you're drawing on thirty or forty years worth of comics for these, so that you can pick the perfect piece of art, which sort of a shows you know the hero of the comic strip leaping through a window, shooting three people, or what have you. Every time you can find perfect art for these to illustrate the the game, makes them a real pleasure, a real pleasure to see. Uh, and Slain, I, I think, is particularly good. Uh, it really has high quality art all the way through it, uh, through a, from a diverse number of different sources down the years, and it gets a, gets across the world of Slain in a way that you know our words can never do because that that's where it lives. It lives as a comic strip. Uh, and yeah, there are words attached with it, but it's about the imagery as much as anything else. Exactly. And both for me and Gav, I mean, we we literally grew up reading 2000 AD strips, um, so we, we've got a, a deep love for them. Is the truth of it? So, and it's always been a bit of a dream to be able to make games out of them because that's you know when you're a kid, literally on the playground reading the comic strip, that's what you hope to. 
be able to play those games be those people at some point so getting to do them is always such a pleasure and yeah the research oh it's it's such a trial having to read <laughs> through uh, old graphic novels and so forth yeah yes, yeah dreadful I mean, times and yeah, and Slane's had some iconic artists working on it over the years, you know, like Mick McMahon and Bill Ardinelli. And obviously there was uh, where really Simon Bisley made his name with The Horned God. Um, and and that kind of reinvented comics in general pretty much as well, that strip uh, and some amazing art there. And I, and I know that Warlord have tried very hard to reflect some of the different artists in the miniatures range as well, because you know, when something's been going for thirty years, forty years, it, the, the styles and the, the, the artists change, but the character doesn't. So, you know, when we talked about Slain, it'd be a case of like, oh yes, actually no, that one should be the Glen Fabry Slain, or mm. actually no, that one's the busy, you know, the busy Slaufeg or whatever, because there isn't just one image of these characters. And same with Dread, you know, uh, mm. uh, you know, uh, whereas obviously Stronty Dog, for the most part, uh, benefited from Carlos Esquara being yeah. like the definitive artist pretty much yeah, it, it made it a lot easier so, it was just it was yeah. all a square art for that one yeah. whereas yeah, yeah dread was the start of like okay which dread yeah is <laughs> yeah. it brian bolland dread yeah how you big know? is his shoulder pads exactly <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's the same with slain yeah which slain but again it, it, because of the progression of it actually there is a night and the story which you summarized so well earlier which is he is cast out from the tribe he goes off adventure and does his kind of conan stuff that drew and eventually he reluctantly kind of returns to the tribe um, to help them fight the Druids, and then eventually becomes the uh, slain the king, becomes the horned, and, event, and becomes the horned god, in fact, um, uh, and kind of a warrior of Danu for seven years, and then is executed at the end because that's that's the message Don't of slain. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you, those who lost after, well, those who lost after power, you know, only get it for so long. Um, whereas uh, you know the Slaufeg, who's uh, a failed. He was the previous horned god, you know, essentially reneged on the deal and wanted to remain, you know, wanted to remain immortal and not die. Um, so they got these different, actually, the different artists uh, sort of uh, overlap with different stages of Slane's career, as it were. Anyway, they're sort of like, say, you've got mm. Slane the King, it's a very busy era, yeah. and the horned god stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, yeah, McMahon and, and Bella Donnelly stuff is very much same as a youngster uh, riffing around and just hitting people over the head with an axe. So yeah, that's that's because of that we've been able to tap into the various artists and and revisit them. You know, there are slightly different slains. There are a couple of different you know different takes on the Dream Lords and things like that. That was actually my next question. Given how diverse the art seems, I mean, I've read a lot of Dread over a lot of years, and yes, the art is different, but it seems to be relatively consistent. You can immediately look at Dread and say, that's Judge Dread. Whereas I look at some versions of Slain, and I'm not always sure what I'm looking at right away. There seems to be a, a fairly or a wider spectrum of images to represent certain characters in this book. Was it difficult for you guys to choose which image? Did you combine sets of arts or did you try to keep the images from the comic distinct so that they, you could recognize them as artist specific versions of the characters? Well, I was going to say, well, I mean, the, the miniatures, that comes down to the Warlord Studio and stuff. I mean, we obviously have favorites and things like mm -hmm. that. In terms of, I mean, the, oh, with all of these sets, kind of like trying to find, uh, particularly with the starter sets, trying to find an angle 
So like with Stronty Dog, you know, it was the it was uh, Bubba and his gang, you know, that storyline kind of focused on the good, the bad and the muty. Um, and then so for this one, we started off with like the horned god, but obviously, like I say, there's not, not everything's in the horned god story. That's kind of almost the end of the story. And there's loads of cool episodes and stuff. So we, we ended up kind of bleeding back into, right, into the original yeah. Slane series and wanting to go, okay, we want this character. We want to have Slowthrot and we want to have the, the, you yeah. know, the, the, the living dead from the sky ships and all that kind of stuff. Because um, yes. uh, it's, it's busy, isn't it? Um, the, mm, the, the horned god, god stuff, yeah. And, and that's kind of what we set on first of like, all right, we're doing the horned god. But as once again, as in the course of actually working on the game, as Gav says, there there were various things that we wanted to pull in from other eras, and it also kind of felt cool to uh, to reference those other eras as well. So it's dominantly, and I think for the miniature range in particular, um, the Horn God graphic novel kind of formed the template for the artwork. But we, we've not been afraid to dip into other places for other characters and bits and pieces, as we feel, felt like Nest was a particularly interesting character who's a, a friend of Slane's uh, that he meet, meets her quite early on. Uh, and she kind of develops quite a lot as a character as she goes along. And she also changes her looks quite a lot as she goes through different artists through the book. So we, we had a real kind of like, okay, you know, which nest are we talking about here in particular? You know, is it young nest or is it older nest and so on? Yeah, yeah. Unlike Bucko, who doesn't change at all, even through <laughs> different artists, actually, particularly. Less than Slane, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's probably the most consistent-looking character throughout the entire strip, if I think about it. And he's, he's just the annoying dwarf. dwarf. <laughs> yeah, the, the Royal Parasite. Exactly. My favourite title for Bucko, Royal Parasite. Well, before we get to the box set, I have to ask... Um, Gav, this may I may start in this your in your direction because I know that you've done a lot of work on the the magic and um, the cards, particularly um, the boons, the the spells, so to speak. Um, because I know, for example, when I played Judge Dredd, part of what made it feel like I was in Mega City One were the big Meg cards and having people all of a sudden having Boing on the tabletop and having special <laughs> Lawgiver ammo show up. It really, it felt really good as a as an old reader of Dread. Now I have to ask, what are some of the feats and boons? Because I know you guys have favorites that you were super happy to put in. I know you've mentioned a few, but are there a few outliers in there that are, you know, romantic favorites from the authors that you really think bring Slain to the tabletop? Eyes um, without life. That's, that's exactly the one I was going to say. Eyes without <laughs> life. There's a, there's a, in the, it's in the Horned God, isn't it? He does this uh, sour fag. He, he does brilliant. it, I think, the first time he ever appears. Uh, yeah. Sorry, we, we should explain what we're talking about yeah. so well south egg is basically the head of the drones he's the mm -hmm. he's the chief villain baddie like I say he's the one who wants he he serves the worm god Kongrak, um uh and and wants the you know yeah the whole world to to uh essentially um <clears throat> slip into the uh, land of decay and stuff like that basically to fit to to maintain immortality himself but yes there's a uh, he, he does this great speech which uh uh which I'm trying to remember all of it now, but it starts off with eyes without life, with eyes without life. I can't remember now. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, and, yeah, and it, again, it's all like rotting corpses, eyes yes. without life, empty yes. skull sockets. These things are pleasing to me. Yes, and we there was originally there was quite an involved series of boons 
um, which essentially you could you could do them in if you did them in order of the speech, but it, mm. one would add to the other to the other to the other, and so you could do the whole uh, the, the whole monologue basically, um, and and building in power. I think that didn't survive because it was a bit over. No, we, we got a bit carried away. Um, so I think it was, it was too hard two. to pull it off. You didn't even uh, know you were going to get yes. all the cards for it. So um, in, yeah. in the end, we honed it down. Yes. Uh, and yeah, because it's just a bit too mechanical, really. Um, mm. Well, and I think, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, things like the Salmon Leap, the uh, the Guy Bolger, which is like the, the Bellows Spear, which is always talked about, which is, you know, um, uh, which is barbed, so it's, it inflicts more damage coming out than going in. And a lot, of, you know, let's say what we did with Slain is what we've done with the other ones, which is you go through the comics and you look for the war gear, you look for the special abilities and the skills that, and the art that goes with them, or the quote or whatever. And then, we, and then we we create a kind of big list of them and thought, well, how do we get them into the game? Are these special rules for a, a troop type or a character? Or are, do these are these a boon? Are these a feat? Like I say, the salmon leap is just the obvious one. Mm. Again, you know, um, the warp spasm, uh, all the stuff like that. I mean, I, I quite like the. Um, I can't remember what we're recording now. Uh, the, one of the first stories I read was was the 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 there's a couple of issues with Slowthrot, who's the, he become uh, slain basically becomes the bodyguard of one of the Drune Lords because he's uh, basically failed, or he, he's uh, he's got the the great book of Doomsday Book of basically Slowthrot's plans um, to take over and destroy the world and stuff like that, and so Slowthrot's actually after him, so Slain ends up protecting him. So that's yeah. When we talk about growing up with it, that's one of the stories that's kind of seared into my mind as one of my first encounters with Slain. So actually having the living dead and sky ships and uh, the you know, earth magic from men here and stuff like that it was one of the most magical episodes actually in there you know uh, that and the and the wicker man i think are the two that are kind of like in my head so we've got so in the scenarios again the scenarios are pretty straightforward actually compared to particularly the strontium dog ones which has got you know very much it's like the setup and then the payoff and all that kind of stuff whereas these are very much just like uh you know, yeah, escape protect, with the protect. artifacts sort yes. of scenario. Yeah, or... Exactly. There's like a heist. There's a there's one where you're, you're dedicating a, a sacred site to the gods, that kind of thing. So that, because we've got so much with the blood points uh, and the boons and the feats already going on, the scenarios themselves didn't have to be very complicated at all. But they are kind of still based on fairly typical slain exploits i suppose they're a bit more generic in terms of presentation but you could pretty much use you could read a slain story and go oh actually yeah that we would use that scenario as the basis with this boon and this you know and these feats of what he does in it kind of thing so um <clears throat> yeah that was kind of the the third the third layer you know it's like the the blood points so but what is your favorite boon or feat gav uh, my favorite I, 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 yeah i know well uh I think it just has to be. I just remember Salmon Leap. That's all. That's all <laughs> it's my act. Everyone it's remembers act Salmon Leap. Yeah. Eyes yeah. <laughs> without life or Salmon Leap. I, ironically, I'm sitting here um, juggling cards, and the, these are the cards that we did for Slain. Oh, I realized right. I picked them up with that. So we can go through here. We've got Fetid Breath, Brain Biter, Skyclad, Warding Way, Stubborn Block, Helm of the Horned One, Kick, Scything Blow, Deadly Gaze. Uh, Deadly Gaze is a good one. That's actually unique to uh, Elfric, amongst other people, because he's got eye beams. Uh, Counterattack, Salmon Leap, there it is. The other thing that we haven't mentioned about um, the way that the feats work is that they're, they're also sun and moon oriented. Um, 
because yes. at the end of the day, the horn god represents the sun and the earth goddess represents the moon. So that there is a kind of cosmic alignment to them as well, which can take effect uh, over the course of a scenario as well, because we, we have a cosmic alignment chart that you roll on where you might get things like sun ascendant or moon ascendant or moon quiescent and things like that, which have a secondary effect on uh, related feats as well. So just some extra complexity we thought we'd throw in there on top. Yes, nice. I and mean, you can use blood points to try and change that. So again, yes, it's not that is one of the big like, things you do with blood points. So if you've got a bunch of moon feats, for example, you want things to be moon aligned, so you might use blood points to invoke the powers of the goddess to get it moon aligned. Um, the other thing that we should touch on as well, Gav, before we get carried away, is the campaign system. Because I really like well, the campaign yes. system you did for Slain. It was really <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, again, uh, I think one of the, the the campaign system, when we when we talk about, you know, we started off with the Horned God and then ended up adding extra stuff, the campaign system is very much kind of, um, uh, although obviously you can use any of the miniatures in the games and stuff, it's it's, it's most inspired by the Horned God and that, that the, I suppose, the culmination of the battle between the Druids and the Earth Tribe. So it's kind of... Uh, it's geography based in a sense, but actually the main thing is the balance of power between the Droon Lords and the Earth Tribes um, uh, with like the um, <clears throat> the Horned God kind of acting as a, an in-between of those. Um, so you're trying to take lands uh, or protect lands for your God or Goddess, your your side, and they that kind of informs... Um, so you, you, so I've started from scratch, actually. You, you represent a faction rather than a particular hero or group. So you don't, it's not like Strontium Dog where you pick a leader and you go with that and that kind of group of people and see how they get on. Actually, what you can do is you can choose your forces for each game because actually the tribe or the drones send different people um, to do different stuff. So actually, again, you can expand your miniatures collection and then what you've got in there, you can use lots of different things from game to game. Um, and you, what you're trying to do is increase the power of your deity to the point that they are preeminent, whether that's the Earth Goddess, the Horned God, or uh, Krom Kurak, the, the worm, uh, the cosmic worm. Um, uh, and you do that by fighting over uh, essentially the terrain of the land of the young, Ternanog, um, and either it, you're taking it with sour magic or it's remaining uh, as part of the Earth Goddess's domains. Um, and then, and then that allows you to link your battles together. It gives you access to different abilities. Uh, again, it kind of pulls into like the blood points and the boon system, and you can increase your powers and get access to uh, to more godly benefits, I suppose. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's very much a cosmic. It, it charts the cosmic struggle rather than just like being a you know. Like, uh, charting the the career of a particular yeah it's champion. less about personal development and more about you know the good of the tribe or not yeah. as the case may be with the, uh, <laughs> yes. the sour magic side exactly. of things didn't you have lund yeah. in there as well oh yes you can yes oh yes you can follow the sun god because there's lund. four different yeah. factions you can follow yes so you dedicate yourself to a god potentially uh and yeah depending on what you do, you get various specific boons or treasures or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, uh, but it's, a, yeah, and then essentially you're trying to dominate the other the other tribes is what it comes down to. So uh, as you gain 
uh, sort of like as you win victories and gain terrain, you can sort of swap them or trade them in for domination. And uh, uh, and once you've dominated everybody, basically you've won the campaign. It's a little bit neater. There's a bit more of a, a wrap up, but yeah, that's the basic idea. Become the biggest, strongest faction going. Mm. Nice. Yeah. So it, again, it, it merges in really nicely uh, with the, the sort of like the background stories of Slain. Particularly enjoyed that side of things. Now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's trying to sweep away the Earth tribes of the Dream Lords, or to throw back the Dream Lords, essentially. Mm. So. <laughs> now those campaign rules can be found in the 108 full color page A4 rulebook, which is part of the Kiss My Axe box set. Now, that is really cool because it is 10 resin models. You get slain, both um, the basic Roth version, Mac Roth version, and you also get them uh, with the warp spasm. Um, you get Nest, which you guys mentioned earlier, Ucko, the dwarf. Uh, you get uh, Sloth Throt. You get three skull swords um, with uh, swords and shields. There's the a big resin weird stone, and you get a Drune Priest along with that. You get two MDF Celtic huts with um, fences uh, for terrain. There's eight uh, quick start terrain, um, sorry, eight page quick start scenario booklet. You get the full color double-sided game tokens. You get character cards, unit cards, hero feature cards, other feature cards, uh, you get boon cards. There's just all the things. Dice, there's just a lot in this box. It is great, and that is just the base game. If you want to expand it out, of course, we have the Earth Tribes models coming, Droon Warbands, Sea Demons, Earth Tribe Heroes, Droon Heroes, and Slain as the Balor of the Evil Eye. There is a million cool things to paint here and i can't decide what to look at first any particular favorites for you gentlemen that you are excited to paint up or that you did paint up and are loving the look of um well i think one of the standout actually talking about different artists and things like that i think the balor actually balor of the evil eye on his big stag thing is like yeah, it's one of the, the iconic bisley mind as well the, like, the yeah, iconic bisley full page you yeah, know, really. like when he turned up, you're like, oh, that's so cool, actually. Yeah. Um, and a bit different take because you know the Fomorians. We haven't really talked about the Fomorian sea demons, who are sort of like this, this uh, sort of allies of the Druids. Again, they're sort of like servants of Crom Kruak. They're not really. Uh, so you know, again, they want to. They've kind of essentially. Uh, Balor and Slaufeg have come to an agreement to basically sort of sweep away the Earth tribes and, and split. The winnings between them, although you can never see that really working out. One or the other is going to turn, want to destroy mm -hmm. the other. So I think you know, again, you've got bad on bad factions. The Earth tribes are always fighting amongst each other anyway, even when they're not fighting dreams. So you can, there's always a, there's always there, there are multiple that. Earth tribes. That yeah, obviously they're, they're all. Um, but, the, but yeah, but the, yeah, the sea demons, particularly as um, sort of drawn by Bisley were a very kind of um, very different, very demonic, more uh, kind of a little less kind of fish people from the sea and a little bit more just crazy sort of weirdness, I think. Um, and Balor himself, yeah, this just hulking brute. Like I say, he's got this evil eye he can turn on you, um, which is very nice. So, yeah, I think that's what definitely uh, one of the standout miniatures of the range. Well, I was going to say the sea demons look 
positively evil. Uh, they are th- those are not your typical fishmen whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, they look like uh, something else, but I really love the the Drune Warband in particular. Um, just looking at those models, just so uh, almost Viking esque with the the horned helms and uh, the shields and the mostly naked. Uh, it they look fantastic, and I really want to paint some of those up. Uh, and I do love the bow come crossbow weapons that they are carrying as well. I don't think I I saw those when I was looking through the comics. So there's a lot of they do appear once there. or twice. They're incredibly rare. Um, just basically, they're, they're a bit of like occasionally the skull swords need to shoot at something. Um, mm-hmm. they, that's what they they whip out on those occasions. There's uh, a famous first in the game to get yeah. some rage combat in there. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a, I think there's one where there's a particular scene where they come for Slain and they've got the repeat crossbows and he picks up a table and charges them. I think and right. they're, they're sort of fire into oh, the table. Oh, yeah, I remember. And he, and I think it might be a Mick McMahon, I can't remember, or Glenn Fabric. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, and he's like, just try, basically crushes, crushes you know, half a dozen skull swords against the wall, sort of thing. But it might be, yeah, when Skull Slough Throck comes for him, I can't remember now. Um, yes. So yeah, but yeah, any opportunity to get some weapon variants in there, uh, particularly on the on the group models. <laughs> it's like the, the sea demons they, they've got a, an interesting selection of like nets and tridents and harpoons and stuff like that uh, which again they've got some wibbly differences because they did quite a lot with the different weaponry um, since we don't have to worry about blasters and lazookas and things like that mm-hmm. so there is a difference between a, a sword and a spear and uh, a big sword and a big spear and so on and so on well guys 2000 AD had a lot of comic strips with a lot of characters. It's a huge universe of creativity to pull upon. Now, this is the third game. I know I will get in trouble if I don't ask. Is there something else 2000 AD in the pipe that we might be expecting in the future? Uh, Gab's got good island touch about this, haven't you, Gab? So, uh, well, yes. Uh, Accidentally giving things away in public. Have I? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it wasn't you, I suppose. Yeah. I, I didn't accidentally give it away. I was, I, I checked permission. So, uh, <laughs> as people might know from elsewhere, basically we wrote Slain two years ago. Uh, so quite a long time ago, before you know the world went crazy with pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've actually been, we've actually all been working on. Uh, the the follow-up game, um, which is another Pat Mills uh, penned special, which is ABC Warriors. Um, oh, yeah. So, uh, one of the things I, one of the things I had to do because we were trying to identify robots from the strip was uh, I got in touch with Pat <laughs> um, to and, and sent him a particular spread and did. Do you know who these are? Um, do we have names for these, <laughs> or which one is which? So. Um, uh, yeah, but that was uh, so the, the cat's out of the bag slightly on that one. Um, but yeah, well, that's an well, interesting one. Yeah, it's it, it, I was gonna say, we should jump in and say, I mean, Slain's only just coming out now, <laughs> so we've got no idea when you'll be seeing ABC no, no. Warriors. No, absolutely, it's not even seen, there's not any even miniatures yet, so that's gonna be, yeah, it's quite a way down the line. Um, it is one of those things, though, that when we talked about Dread, we did mention Slain. So it is nice that uh, we always have something nice to look forward to, as yeah, nice yeah, as what we have. Enough. Yeah. 
Well, yes, yeah, it's like the baton. It's, it's handed out, but there's, yeah, it's a long time before it gets handed on. I think. Exactly. <laughs> it's there. So. The race um, is just beginning with Slane, and uh, we, we can look forward to the next one uh, a couple years down the track. It is going to be great. Guys, thank you so much for coming on today. It is always a pleasure to talk to either both of you on this show or any other. Thank you again for making the time to come on. It is always a pleasure. Um, Gav, thank you so much. Again, um, love your work. Thank you for coming on today. Um, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm uh, happy to be here and talk about uh, all things uh, 2000 AD. So thanks for having me. Anytime. And Andy, always a pleasure, sir. Be it talking Blood Red Skies, Slain, Judge Dredd, or anything else, it's always a pleasure, sir. Well, we... As Gav knows, we, we work solo most of our time, so it, it's always good to work the mouthy bits and talk to real people once in a while <laughs> and then tell them about things we've been doing instead of just living inside our heads all the time. Yeah. Well, that, so thank you for giving us the opportunity. Anytime. And uh, thank you for validating me as a real human being. I feel good now. But on that note, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the Warlord Games podcast today. We... I uh, really do hope that you enjoy the content that we've been bringing you. Uh, I know that we really did enjoy talking to John Stollard about what was coming up uh, not too long ago, and we are really looking forward to talking to Alessio about the new bolt-action campaign system. It is looks incredible, and I cannot wait to bring you that episode in the coming weeks. If you have any suggestions for future episodes of the Warlord Games podcast, please go to the facebook page of the podcast network that this podcast appears on cast dice c-a-s-t-d-i-c-e if you go to that facebook page and message it you're guaranteed a response by me hi my name is brad and we always try to get all listener questions and requests covered on this show or on any of the other cast dice shows uh, that appear on this network thank you very much for listening stay safe out there good night